From Liangjiahe, a village on the barren lowest plateau in northwest China, to Zhongnanhai, the center of China's top leadership in Beijing, Xi Jinping has served in various posts at different levels of the government across China, starting in his early years as a junior village official to governing as China's top leader. What's he like as an individual and as a leader? How have his work experiences from earlier decades been influencing his leadership as the national leader? What are some of the core principles that have guided his decisions and actions? I consider myself a relatively hard-working person. I know very well that people's biggest concerns are education, employment, income. We can't pursue development through destructive methods, depleting the legacies from our ancestors while exhausting the options for our future generations. The Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series shares the life and work experiences of Xi Jinping and explores the formation of his governing principles, philosophy, beliefs, among others. Getting to know Xi's thoughts on national governance and how his leadership took shape may help you better understand China's path, governance, and principles. You can follow the Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series on all major podcast platforms. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host, Shane Begum, with you on this Wednesday, June 21st, 2023. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, China and Germany have agreed to promote deeper cooperation and dialogue on climate change. The son of U.S. President Joe Biden's pleaded guilty on gun and tax charges. And more travelers in China celebrating the upcoming Dragon Ball Festival are choosing homestays. In business, China's sales and exports of new energy vehicles surged in May. In sports, another friendly win for the Chinese men's football team. In culture and entertainment, several new movies hitting theaters in China for the Dragon Ball Festival weekend. Now the day's top stories. China and Germany have agreed that it's in the interest of both sides to deepen cooperation at a higher level. Chinese Premier Li Chung and German Chancellor Olaf Scholz co-chaired the Intergovernmental Consultation in Berlin. The two countries agreed to promote dialogue and cooperation on climate change. Peter Oliver is in Berlin with more. It was all about business as Chinese and German officials met in Berlin on Tuesday. After a welcome that included full military honors, Chinese Premier Li Chang and German Chancellor Olaf Scholz met with reporters, where the focus was on the importance of face-to-face meetings and the role of Berlin and Beijing going forward globally. As two influential countries in the world, China and Germany should work more closely together to make more contributions to world peace and development. China attaches great importance to the development of China-Germany relations and China-EU relations. We are willing to work together with Germany to promote the continuous development of China-Germany and China-EU relations to achieve a higher level of development on a new starting point. Li also had a message for German CEOs to whom he said the biggest risk is a lack of cooperation. Scholz has faced questions over a potential decoupling of Germany from China. The German Chancellor dismissed that outright. 
I've said it often and I have also emphasized it today to my colleague Li. We have no interest in an economic decoupling from China. Li described economic conditions in Germany and China as mutually beneficial. Climate change and green technologies are areas where Berlin and Beijing can cooperate. Both the Chancellor and the Premier acknowledged the threats posed to the environment and the potential changes technology could bring. That was Peter Oliver in Berlin. A China-Germany industrial park in Beijing is home to 90 German companies with an annual output of 35 billion yuan or 4.8 billion U.S. dollars. The industrial park aims to play a pioneering role in Beijing's opening up. It also is hoping to host 200 German companies by 2025. Sunya has more. Hao Lijie on the management committee of the industrial park says it's on course to meeting the 2025 goal, which includes an annual output of 80 billion yuan. He says it's in part because Chinese-German cooperation continues to focus heavily on what he deems are the future needs, from smart manufacturing, digital economy to new energy vehicles. Smart new energy vehicles are a key area for technological innovation. Our industrial park is located in Shunyi District, home to many of Beijing's high-tech and advanced industries. The over 100,000 enterprises here provide a solid foundation for industrial cooperation in the park. At the same time, companies such as Mercedes-Benz and BMW have attracted companies relevant to this industry here. Here, China and Germany's industries will work together and further upgrade smart green manufacturing. Companies like heating technology manufacturer Wiesmann have a long history in China, and it also makes sense to be even more invested in the Chinese market and its smart green vision. Investments we differentiate into several areas. One is bringing our newest technology from Germany to China. But the other one that is equally important is setting up more R&D and development capability here in China because the China team, our team, knows best what Chinese users really want and need. And maybe there's a third element to this as well, and that is service. And I think it's not just for China and for Germany. I think many countries all over the world are striving to decrease the carbon footprint. And where you can have the biggest impact is, of course, in the world's biggest economies. And that is um, right now... One of the top economies is China. The industrial park has also been working to better support in policies and facilities so that growth will keep for the long haul. That was Sun Yep at a China-Germany industrial park in Beijing. Well, China is the single largest market for Germany. There is potential in the electric vehicle market for the two countries, as China is the world's largest EV market and Europe has plans to phase out the sale of fossil fuel cars. Natalie Carney takes a look at how they're working together. China and Germany are driving ahead into a new era of cooperation. The mutual benefits in electric vehicle manufacturing and sales is setting new limits for the automotive sectors in both countries. Germany's BMW has seen sales of their EV models within China, the world's largest EV market, more than triple year on year. BMW will also begin manufacturing their Neue Klasse electric cars in China, along with the high-voltage batteries required for them, creating around 2,000 new jobs. At the same time, Europe has become the world's second biggest and fastest-growing EV market. Chinese manufacturers such as BYD and iWays are taking the opportunity to win over European drivers. 
Chinese car brands accounted for less than 10% of the well over 1 million battery-powered EVs sold across Europe last year. However, come 2025, that's expected to increase to 15%, driven by affordability and a wide range of models. In the first quarter of 2023, 28% of EVs imported into Germany came from China. The decision by the EU to ban the sale of new fossil fuel cars from 2035 will also drive up EV demand. Chinese EV experience coupled with strict EU regulations makes for a winning combination, says the vice president of overseas at Iways, Alex Kloss. These are fully engineered cars and very well built cars. There is regulations in Europe which you have to fulfill. And the German market is actually a, a very, very demanding market. So just like German manufacturers have been able to enter into the Chinese market, you'll have the same thing likewise happen over here to actually improve the total situation of battery electric vehicles around the world. The same is true for EV support technology. Grazing has been supplying public fast charging stations for cars, trucks and fleets all across China for years. Now it is looking to capitalize on the fast-moving developments in Europe. For Europe, it's a new market for us and it's, it's just starting to grow for the public charging stations, public charging market and also the heavy commercial vehicles. So I think for Grazing, it's our mission to provide a competitive uh, product with high quality to the European market to speed up the the mobility development. As talks in Berlin attempt to pave the diplomatic road forward, both countries are benefiting from the growth in global EV demands and recognizing the mutual cooperation needed for the long road ahead. And that was Natalie Carney reporting from Germany. China's green and innovation-led growth has attracted a French biopharmaceutical company to leverage localization and digital technologies to provide various medicines and vaccines for Chinese customers of different age groups. He Guoling at Sanofi China says uh, amid the international situation and uncertainties, uh, they've prioritized increasing investment in their operations in China to ensure a smooth supply chain. Our localization efforts mainly focus on our three production bases. For instance, in Beijing, we increased our investment in insulin production capacity. In Hangzhou, we expanded the area of factories for producing cardiovascular medicines. In Shenzhen, we have invested around 1.2 billion yuan since 2007 in building factories for producing flu vaccines. We have also incorporated green and low carbon development in our supply chain. In the past four decades, the French company has been introducing uh, generic drugs, specialized drugs and healthcare products uh, in China. Some of the drugs have been added to the Chinese national reimbursement drug list. The Sanofi China official uh, has also expressed confidence in the Chinese market, saying that she frequently visits, or, or the rather the frequent visits by state leaders and entrepreneurs from China and France are creating more opportunities and possibilities. We are very confident about the resilience of the Chinese market, and it is the second largest market for Sanofi globally. China's development has also provided us with vitality and resilience. What's more, stable China-France trade relations can give enterprises like ours a very good foundation for development. I also believe a stable China-France partnership can contribute to the stability and further development of the global economy 
economy, the global industrial system and the global supply chain. Supervisor added that they're cooperating with different parties in multiple aspects, such as um, innovative research, market access and talent cultivation. Coming up, the son of the U.S. president pleads guilty in federal court. On this week's edition of the China Africa Talk podcast, we delve into a conversation with visiting African journalists about how they view the development of China's passenger transport network and perhaps how it can be applied to their countries. Catch the full discussion on China Africa Talk. Available on your preferred podcast. We'll see you there. 11 minutes past the hour. The son of U.S. President Joe Biden has struck a plea deal with federal prosecutors to resolve a felony gun charge. Hunter Biden's expected to plead guilty to three federal charges to avoid time behind bars. Benji Heyer explains. Hunter Biden, former lawyer, banker, lobbyist, the scandal-plagued son of a sitting American president. This plea agreement brings to an end a long-running five-year Department of Justice probe led by a Donald Trump-appointed attorney looking into whether Hunter Biden properly reported his income and whether he made false statements on paperwork that was used to purchase a firearm in 2018. This has implications, political ones. Hunter Biden has been a, a constant target of scrutiny and congressional investigations from Republican lawmakers in the US who accuse him and his family of corruption, all whilst many 2024 presidential candidates allege his father, Joe Biden, is weaponizing the Justice Department against opponents like twice impeached and twice indicted Donald Trump. He's called the system broken and Hunter's plea deal a mere traffic ticket. In a brief statement, the White House says Joe Biden and First Lady Jill Biden uh, love their son and support him as he continues to rebuild his life. His initial court appearance in this case has not yet been scheduled. That was Benji Heyer in Washington. An internal U.S. government memo says search and rescue members heard banging sounds from depths, uh, the depths of the Atlantic Ocean while looking for the submersible that went missing near the Titanic wreckage. Uh, rescue teams are working to pinpoint the sub's position. Authorities say the CEO of the company that operates the sub is among those on board. Other people include British billionaire Hamish Harding, a father and son from one of Pakistan's most prominent families, and a, a former French Navy officer and explore. The vessel is equipped with extra oxygen, but reports say it can only last until Thursday morning. Jim Spellman has more. The frantic search for a small submersible with five people on board continues in the North Atlantic, about 700 kilometers from Newfoundland, Canada. The craft went missing Sunday after losing contact with its companionship on the surface. We immediately uh, launched search efforts. Uh, we flew assets that evening, and we've continued constant uh, surface and air asset searches uh, since that point. The sub, called Titan, is believed to have enough air to remain submerged for about four days. The vessel is owned by Ocean Gate Expeditions and provides tours of the wreckage of the Titanic, the iconic British ship that sank after crashing into an iceberg in 1912. Aboard the submersible are one crew member and four passengers, including a British billionaire, along with the prominent Pakistani businessman and his son. 
Finding the craft won't be easy, but some experts are optimistic. Deep submersible diving is very dangerous, but it is, uh, it's high tech, you know, and as each year goes by, the equipment gets better, the technology gets better, and so on. So uh, I'm very hopeful and very positive. Military aircraft have deployed sonar buoys to listen for any sounds from Titan. If we find this vessel uh, in the water, then we will have to uh, effect some sort of rescue or coordinating, uh, reaching out to uh, different uh, partners within the U.S. Uh, Navy, uh, within the Canadian uh, Armed Forces, and within private industry to understand what uh, underwater rescue capability might be available. The Titanic wreckage sits about 4,000 meters below the surface, too deep for conventional U.S. military submarines. Rescue teams may use a remote controlled vehicle that can operate at those depths if a deep-sea rescue mission is called for. Conditions at those depths are extremely hazardous, but the biggest obstacle may be time. And that was Jim Spellman reporting. The Russian defense chief has warned that any strikes by Ukraine on Crimea will lead to Russian retaliation. Sergei Shoigu says they have information about a planned attack. He adds that Ukrainian troops have launched over 260 attacks on Russian positions since the start of June, but all of those attacks have been repelled. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky says they are destroying Russian forces in two main theaters of the conflict in the east and south. He also says defensive moves by air forces have saved lives and infrastructure. Zelensky is attending a conference in London on reconstruction. He says rebuilding Ukraine is a guarantee of security. A spokesperson says the United Nations is working with all parties to ensure the extension of the Black Sea grain deal amid reports that Russia intends to quit the pact next month. Farhan Hawk says the UN is in touch with Western countries, but there are issues that are out of their hands. We continue to work with the parties, uh, including the Russian Federation and Ukraine, uh, to uh, ensure that we can uh, continue with the work of the Black Sea Initiative and the Memorandum of Understanding on Russian Food and Fertilizer. And we're going to continue with that work uh, as long as, that, as we can do that. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres said he was disappointed by the slowing pace of ship inspections at ports. Uh, Russia's foreign ministry stressed Russia's demand to restart the damaged ammonia pipeline as part of the grain deal and has said the UN's confirmed that it cannot do anything on some of Russia's key grievances. However, Russia has not ruled out fresh talks with the United Nations. Survivors are accusing the Coast Guard of slow responses after a boat full of migrants sank off the Greek coast. The incident is one of the eastern Mediterranean's worst tragedies in recent years. Over 80 are confirmed dead, with hundreds more still missing. Uh, a court has reportedly charged nine suspects with human trafficking. Evangelos Sipsis reports from Kalamata, Greece. While this should be a day for celebrating and embracing those who have begun new lives, not everyone is lucky enough to pursue that dream. My client says that on the boat more than 700 people were on board and he was with another 35 Egyptians. He left his village in Egypt looking for a better life in Europe as he was facing many financial problems. Questions still remain over the response from the Hellenic Coast Guard and what responsibility the authorities should shoulder for the tragedy. Reports indicate that some of those on board did reject offers of assistance in the hope of pushing on to Italy. 
but testimonies from survivors indicate that the Coast Guard appeared reluctant to act until the very last moment. From their side, the Greek Ministry of Migration is calling for more EU unity. We have received funds to combat this issue, but we need more solidarity. To exist, there must be a common European framework for asylum, return and integration. As long as this does not exist, we're doing what we have to do to carry out our humanitarian duty and protect our country. As the testimonies continue alongside with the grim task of recovering the bodies, the blame game continues. What exactly happened the day that the boat sank is not yet known, but the head of the Hellenic Council for Refugees is worried that the handling of this case repeats errors of the past. For the moment, the authorities, I mean the Coast Guard, whom every day put something in because there was no rope, suddenly there was a rope. There was no rescue attempt, suddenly there is a rescue attempt. All this is relevant and reminds us a repeat of a very bad case in which Greece has unfortunately been recognized as responsible. So far this year, hundreds of thousands have tried to cross to Europe via sea or land, hoping for a new life. Those who crowded onto the unstable fishing vessel in Libya will know difference. And like so many others before them, those hopes have ended in the worst imaginable tragedy. That was Evangelo Sipsis reporting. Scotland's for, uh, former first minister has returned to the Scottish Parliament for the first time since her arrest by police earlier this month. Nicola Sturgeon says stepping aside will compromise her position. There may be an argument if... I thought that if I was to step aside, that you would all then accept that this had nothing to do with the SNP. There may be an argument that's not the case, but also what that would do, I think, would be to compromise uh, my ability and my right uh, to assert the position that I hold absolutely. Uh, Sturgeon and her husband, Peter Merle, who is the Scottish National Party's former chief executive, have both been arrested and released without charge. The police are still investigating what happened to more than £600,000 or U.S. dollars raised by Scottish independence campaigners in 2017. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up, holidaymakers in China are choosing homestays over hotels. Dragon Boat Racing is gaining popularity across the globe. This week on Deep Dive, we find out what's been luring rowers back into the water year after year for this exhilarating sport. Is it a glory of being crowned the Dragon King, the adrenaline rush, or much more? I'm Sui, and this week on our podcast Deep Dive, I'll be joined by a fellow journalist to uncover the thrills of dragon boat racing and what makes it so captivating. Just search for Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platform this Thursday for an exciting ride. Also, don't forget to find out if there are any upcoming dragon boat races in your city. Join us as we dive into the vibrant world of dragon boat racing. We're at 22 minutes past the hour. Homestays in suburban areas are becoming another uh, accommodation preference for holidaymakers. Many of them are choosing this alternative in downtown areas for the Dragon Boat Festival holiday. Three-day holiday this year starts on Thursday. Ju Tianlu takes a look. 
Some young residents in Beijing say hotels and homestays have distinct advantages when it comes to accommodation experiences. I will stay in a hotel when I travel because they have parking lots where I can easily park my car. The porters and receptionists at the front desk will take care of my luggage and offer various services. And hotels have amenities like gyms, swimming pools, and bars. I prefer staying in a homestay in suburban areas during holidays. They are more affordable yet offer substantial accommodations compared to downtown hotels. Thanks to excellent urban transportation options, it's convenient to travel from the suburbs to downtown. Homestays also often provide kitchens and other facilities, so I can prepare my own late-night snacks. Data from the homestay platform Muniao shows that the number of reservations for this year's Dragon Boat Festival holiday are projected to be three times higher than 2019. Cities like Beijing, Qingdao, and Chongqing are among the popular destinations for booking homestay accommodations. The number of reservations for homestays in Beijing has already surged to 1.7 times the amount compared to the same period last year, half a month in advance of the holiday season. Insiders say more bookings are expected in the coming months, driven by the upcoming summer vacation for students and graduates. But some homestays are still recovering from the impacts of COVID-19. Nie Yipin is the deputy CEO of a homestay in Yanqing District, Beijing. He says fewer than 20% of the rooms had been booked 10 days ahead of the start of the Dragon Boat Festival holiday this year, and achieving a 50% booking rate during the holiday would be considered a satisfactory outcome. After the lifting of COVID-19 restrictions, a lot of people prefer traveling outside Beijing or even going abroad. However, the pandemic has affected consumer spending, and the overall occupancy rate of a homestay this year has been quite low. Nia says they have taken steps to enhance the experience of their clients and upgraded the facilities and services provided by the homestay. They're also preparing for accommodating an expected high volume of returning guests next year. We have introduced all-inclusive packages to provide consumers with convenient and easy access to a range of services. We will also be running promotional activities that offer discounts to customers, allowing them to enjoy tangible benefits and save money. Nia says they are working with nearby tourist destinations and agricultural sectors to offer guests a more diverse range of travel experiences. For the Beijing Hour, I'm Zhu Tianlu. Officials in India are investigating the deaths that a hospital executive blamed on heat. The government thinks there may be more to the story. Ravinder Bawa has more. There is a controversy which has started in the Balia district. What we were getting、uh, news of deaths from three states.、Uh, now the Balia district is the one which is the worst affected, and a team of doctors, a special committee, has been formed to look into these these deaths. Because on Saturday, what happened that the chief medical officer of the district、uh, hospital was removed from his post, was、uh, relieved from his post because he made a statement that these deaths are due to heat wave, and that was supposed to like that the government. 
it called a careless statement and now a team has been formed to investigate further as to what led to these deaths. If we look at the number of deaths which happened on Saturday, uh, most of the people who died at that time were above the age of 60 and had other issues as well. So the government is trying to inv investigate further because their argument is that it is in the whole region that the temperatures are high. But why is it that Balia is seeing the largest number of deaths and why is it that in Balia we are seeing, uh, you know, uh, it is more affected. And for that now they are trying to collect samples of water, they are collecting samples of blood and urine of the patients who are in the hospital and they are also going on the ground to the homes of the families who have lost their loved ones to find out about the symptoms. That was Ravinder Bawa in New Delhi. The Texas power grid operator has asked residents to voluntarily cut back on electricity due to anticipated record demand on the system. Move comes as a heat wave hits large swaths of the state and others in the southern U.S. The request by the Electricity Reliability Council of Texas was its first of the year to cut energy consumption. The council serves most of the state's nearly 30 million residents. Locals in North Texas are being mindful of their power usage. I think it's important that we conserve energy so that we try and avoid all of those rolling blackouts, right? Because we, we don't want to end up without electricity for too long. So we try and do our best. Outages have persisted since weekend storms and tornadoes caused widespread damage. The council says it's not experiencing emergency conditions, but it notes that the state set an unofficial record, a uh, June record on Monday for energy demand. The National Weather Service says in the oil patch of West Texas, temperatures in San Angelo soared to an all-time high of 114 degrees Fahrenheit or 46 degrees Celsius on Tuesday. At 28 past the hour, Beijing is at uh, 22 overnight. Tomorrow will be sunny in 38 degrees. Chongqing's down to 21 tonight, then moderate rainfall in 24. Lhasa dips to 10 degrees and then sunny in 25. Hong Kong's at 28 this evening. Showers tomorrow in 32. Elsewhere, Tokyo's 19 overnight. Moderate rainfall in 23 on Thursday. Islamabad's getting clear skies in 27 this evening, then sunny in 43 degrees Celsius. It's time for a short break. So far this hour, China and Germany have agreed to promote deeper cooperation and dialogue on climate change. The son of U.S. President Joe Biden's pleaded guilty on gun and tax charges. And more travelers in China celebrating the upcoming Dragon Ball Festival are choosing homestays. Shane Begum with you. Stay with us here on The Beijing Hour. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, 60 minutes of comprehensive news, your window on China and the world. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host, Shane Bigham with you on this Wednesday, still to come. In business, China's sales and exports of new energy vehicles surged in May. In sports, another friendly win for the Chinese men's football team. In culture and entertainment, several new movies hitting theaters in China for the Dragon Ball Festival weekend.
To contact us, you can email beijinghour at cri.com.cn. And now checking the day's headlines, Chinese Premier Li Chang has proposed tackling climate change as one of the guiding principles for China-Germany cooperation in the future. While meeting German Chancellor Olaf Scholz in Berlin, Li said the two countries should promote cooperation in green technology and industry and explore the establishment of a rational and orderly division of labor in the green uh, energy industry chain. He also highlighted the economic resilience of the two countries. Indeed, China has a huge market, a complete industrial system, abundant human resources, and a solid economic foundation. The long-term positive fundamentals of our economy have not changed, and we have the ability and confidence to promote sustainable and healthy economic development. Germany has a high level of economic development and strong scientific and technological strength. Strengthening economic and trade exchanges and technical cooperation between China and Germany, enhancing economic vitality and resilience, will contribute to the world economy. Schultz says Germany is willing to further strengthen exchanges and deepen mutually beneficial cooperation with China. He says Germany rejects all forms of decoupling. Saudi Foreign Minister Prince Faisal bin Farhan al-Saud has called on the warring factions in Sudan to commit to an agreed-upon ceasefire. He talked separately with leaders of the Rapid Support Forces and the Sudanese Armed Forces over the phone on Tuesday. Saudi Arabia and the U.S. have been leading an initiative to mediate between the warring sides. A recent 72-hour truce was mediated by the two countries and it started on Monday. The Pentagon says it's providing assistance to the United States Coast Guard as the expanding international armada of ships and airplanes joins the search for a submersible in the North Atlantic. Deputy Pentagon Press Secretary Sabrina Singh says the U.S. Navy is communicating with the Coast Guard to determine what additional assistance it can provide. I know that's something that both the Navy and Coast Guard are trying to figure out on what makes the most sense, but the Coast Guard is really the the lead for this mission. Um, So we are in direct support for them, and we will continue to be for as long as they request assistance. The sub went missing uh, while taking five people down to the wreck of the Titanic. It has less than uh, two days of oxygen left. At least 41 people are dead following a riot at a women's prison in Honduras. A spokesperson says some died from burns and others were shot at the facility about 20 kilometers from the capital city. The president of an association for the inmates' families says a brawl broke out between members of rival gangs. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen has called for urgent action over the sinking of a fishing boat that was full of migrants off the coast of Greece. It is horrible what happened, and the more urgent is that we act. Um, And there are two strands we're working on. The one is direct, concrete, pragmatic action. For example, the work together with Tunisia to stabilize the country, macro-financial assistance, investment in their economy here, for example, in renewable energy. And on the other hand, that we establish a set of rules which is the Migration and Asylum Pact. Scores have died and many more are missing after one of the worst disasters of its kind this year. The trawler was reportedly carrying around 750 passengers as it attempted to reach Europe. A search and rescue operation initially picked up 104 survivors. 
U.S. President Joe Biden's convened a group of technology leaders to debate what he calls the risks and promises of artificial intelligence. The U.S. President is seeking to figure out how to regulate the emergent field of AI. The Biden administration is looking for ways to nurture its potential for economic growth and protect against its potential dangers. Social media has already shown us the harm a powerful technology can do without the right safeguards in place. That's why I said at the State of the Union that Congress needs to pass bipartisan privacy legislation to impose strict limits on personal data collection, ban targeting advertising to our children, and require companies to put health and safety first. The sudden emergence of AI chatbot, ChatGPT, and other tools has jump-started investment in the sector. AI tools are able to craft human-like text, music, and computer code. Uh, this form of automation can increase the productivity of workers, but experts warn of numerous risks. This is Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital. Coming up in business, China's sales and exports of new energy vehicles surged in May. The Beijing Hour, your window on China and the rest of the world. 36 past the hour now. Turning to business and stock markets on the Chinese mainland finished lower today. Timothy Pope has more. The Chinese mainland markets are heading into the Dragon Boat Festival holiday at a bit of a low ebb. The Shanghai Composite Index sank 1.3%, while the Shenzhen component, to which had been managing to remain in the positive uh, even when blue chip stocks were falling earlier this week. That tumbled 2.2%. Oil stocks provided uh, the most support to the Shanghai markets. Crude prices rose after two sessions of losses. We had PetroChina adding 2%. New energy vehicle stocks were also uh, moving after uh, the uh, changes the government announcing uh, its extensions to preferential tax policies through to the end of 2027. Uh, now, the government statement said this was a move designed to support the development of the NEV sector and stimulate auto sales. Uh, but the move provided an initial boost to NEV maker shares on the Chinese mainland, uh, but they quickly went into reverse. BYD, one of the nation's biggest uh, NEV producers, went down the same road. It accelerated uh, early on in the session and ended down by about two-tenths of one percent. And that was market analyst Timothy Pope in Shanghai. In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng Index dropped almost 2%. In Japan, the Nikkei was up around six-tenths of a percent. Well, production and sales of new energy vehicles grew significantly in China in May, with output exceeding 700,000 units, an annual increase of 53%. Uh, sales reached nearly 720,000, an annual increase of over 60%. The China Association of Automobile Manufacturers says NEV sales accounted for more than 30% of total new vehicle sales in the country during the same period. Additionally, NEV exports also continued to grow rapidly in May. Exports of these vehicles increased by 1.5 times compared to the previous year, reaching nearly 110,000 units and accounting for almost 30% of total vehicle exports during the month. The International Derivatives Expo is underway in London. China's futures markets have uh, gradually become important references for prices in some globally traded commodities, including copper, iron ore, and agricultural produce. A young Yi Ping is Associate Director of the International Cooperation Department at the Shanghai Futures Exchange. and She explains which futures commodities on its list uh, interest international investors the most. I believe UK investors are most interested in the international products that we have. 
for example, crude oil bonded copper contracts. Last year, we had a 60% increase in trading volume and 86% increase in uh, turnover uh, on INE, our international platform. So uh, making it the only exchange in China recorded a double-digit growth in the commodities world. Commodities market is uh, globally linked so in terms of um, prices, uh, crude oil prices or copper prices, that's globally priced. Our prices are also highly correlated uh, with the international benchmarks. So I wouldn't say uh, there's much concerns regarding policy uh, intervenes on, or policy changes. Well, China made futures contracts available to international investors in 2018. It's the second anniversary of the introduction of China's first batch of real estate investment trusts, or REITs. Uh, REITs are a widely practiced investment option in various countries such as the United States, Japan, and Singapore. China joined these countries two years ago, initially releasing nine REITs, and since then the market's seen steady growth. Song Yaotian has more. With a stock account, a few clicks, and a few hundred yuan, ordinary people can easily invest in the real estate sector by buying and owning a rate. Before 2021, Chinese investors had access to stocks, bonds, and funds as investment options. However, the addition of real estate investment trusts or rates into the market that year has provided further diversity to their investment portfolios. With rates, investors can invest in properties without having to commit a huge chunk of money. Li Yaoguang is in charge of the rates business in a CICC fund management corporation. The corporation now manages four publicly released rates with a fund value of up to 20 billion yuan, equivalent to 2.7 billion U.S. dollars. Li emphasizes that the rates investment returns stem from two main sources dividend, which is distributed at least once a year, and the appreciation of the investment value. China's REITs now span property and infrastructure areas, which are recognized for their solid and stable operations. Under REIT regulations, it is mandatory for these investment instruments to distribute 90% of their profits back to investors. As a result, investors can expect to receive a dependable return on their investment, mainly in the form of a steady dividend yield. Based on publicly available data, investor returns on an annual basis for GLP rate managed by the corporation over the past two years has been 10%, with 4% coming from dividend payouts. As for the corporation itself, GLP China is the developer and operator of around 450 logistics and industrial facilities across the country, and GLP China rate is taking 10 of the logistics parks as its underlying assets. This logistics park close to the Beijing International Airport is one asset under the GLP China rate. Covering an area of 130,000 square meters, the warehousing facility is leased to leading companies in retail, auto, pharmaceutical, and e-commerce sectors. GLP China Rate has recycled capital for us to strengthen investments in China's infrastructural development. It drives us in further efficiency enhancement in our operations to keep creating value for customers and investors alike. 
There are now a total of 28 REITs operating in China, with expectations that commercial properties such as shopping malls could soon be added to this highly lucrative market. This development signals a continued trend of growth and expansion for the real estate sector in China, and highlights the strong demand for innovative financing mechanisms such as REITs. That was Song Yaotian reporting. The sterling struggled to make headway against the dollar and eased against the euro after the European Central Bank raised interest rates to their highest level in more than two decades. The ECB said it expected inflation to hover above its 2% target rate through 2025, and hinted at more interest rate hikes even as the eurozone economy lags. The Federal Reserve left interest rates unchanged after 10 successive hikes, but、uh, signaled a more hawkish tilt later this year. Boeing and Avalon, the international aircraft leasing company, announced an order for 40 737 Max airplanes. Avalon says they're confident in the long-term demand from their customers for the Max, and、uh, the orders extend their delivery pipeline out to 2030. Boeing says the order demonstrates the popularity of the 737-8 among the leasing community and the demand they're seeing for、uh, from their customers for this airplane model. China Southern Airlines and Chinese tech giant Tencent are putting gaming software in use in the workplace. The two companies have recently launched a new flight simulator that's giving pilots an immersive flight training experience. Omar Khan reports. On board an A320, seated in the cockpit and set for takeoff. For tens of thousands of pilots, their flight simulator experience is about to get a lot more real. Through computer generation and manual intervention, an entire environment can be mapped out, providing a truly realistic experience. Take Shenzhen as an example, which is an area of around 1,000 square kilometers. Within that area, we render over 440,000 structures to make the city look more realistic from the air. Using our technology, we could actually restore and render the entire city's terrain in less than a day. Safety and visual awareness are paramount for a pilot to safely handle an aircraft, and that's something both China Southern and Tencent are focusing on in their new collaboration. Our system is very realistic in adapting to surrounding terrain, allowing pilots to handle various situations in real time. The improvements of this simulator are significant, especially given that 70% of a pilot's information comes from what they can see. Lighting and weather conditions cannot be adjusted at different times and are realistic. I think realism is a very important step forward. Pilots are also hailing and eager to take flight in this new simulator. Which is the first fully self-developed full-motion flight simulator visual system in the field of civil aviation in China. Previously, our warning systems in simulators were vague, and training wasn't as realistic. Many objects were flat models, not three-dimensional. Now we have a clear and intuitive view of obstacles such as mountains, buildings, and towers. We will have clearer and more confident control of the aircraft. Ensuring the safety of all our passengers. Tencent is using its strengths in video game software, graphics, and technology to go beyond players' palms and mobile devices. The tech firm, in tandem with China Southern, has also launched a new tech lab, which will continue to look at how gaming systems can be transferable to other environments and ultimately improve the overall quality of life for everyone. That was Omar Khan reporting.
You're listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up in sports, another friendly win for the Chinese men's football team. Dragon boat races have transformed from a festival tradition in China into a sport highlighted with an annual national-level competition. What's unique about the dragon boat races? How far is it being included in the Olympic program? Listen to this week's Sideline Story podcast as we discuss everything you need to know about dragon boat racing. Forty-seven past the hour now. Turning to sports, here is Yang Guang. Thank you, Shane. The Chinese men's football team cruised to a two-nil victory over Palestine at home for its second consecutive international friendly win. Team China transformed the advantage on the pitch into two goals in each half. Top striker Wu Lei scored an easy tap-in, and defender Jiang Guangtai's powerful header earned him the first international goal from a corner. Wu Lei says the last two victories have helped build confidence within team. We need to keep this momentum. Facing opponents like Myanmar and Palestine, we need to win to raise our confidence. So, in the upcoming Asian Cup or World Cup qualifiers, when we meet teams on similar levels, we can get upper hand on the game dynamic. But we also made some mistakes in defense, and we still need to improve on that. China's win came after a decisive 4-0 triumph against Myanmar, which marked coach Alexander Yankovic's first victory with the team since taking charge. In Euro 2024 qualifiers, Cristiano Ronaldo scored an 89th-minute winner to help Portugal beat Iceland 1-0. It's also a milestone night for Ronaldo as he became the first men's player to make 200 international appearances. It was Portugal's fourth win from four games in Group J. Elsewhere, Erling Haaland scored twice in Norway's 3-1 win at home over Cyprus, as did Romelu Lukaku in Belgium's 3-0 victory over Estonia. But another star forward, Robert Lewandowski, was left disappointed as his Polish team squandered a two-goal lead to lose 3-2 to Moldova. Euro 2024 host Germany lost 2-0 to Colombia in a friendly game. Germany has officially presented mascot for the 2024 UEFA European Football Championship. The teddy bear-like figure wears a colorful football jersey, socks, boots, and shorts. In contrast to the 2006 World Cup mascot, a lion which was widely ridiculed for not wearing pants. UEFA says the mascot pays homage to the popular children's teddy bear toy, which is said to have originated in Germany in the early 20th century. Euro 2024 tournament director Philipp Lahm. It's a bear. I think all of us had a teddy bear at home. It's also supposed to be diverse, of course. So it shows the colors of our logo, and it stands for physical exercise. I think that is very, very important nowadays. It's especially important for children to move more, and that's what the bear should stand for. UEFA has encouraged fans to pick a name for the mascot from four options on the official UEFA website over the next two weeks. Lionel Messi is expected to make his Major League Soccer debut with Inter Miami at a home game on July 21st. Team owner Jorge Mas says his club and Messi have agreed to terms and are finalizing paperwork and a visa. The team also confirmed that Messi will be signing a contract through the end of 2025 season, with an option for another year. The Argentine greats' first game in Miami will be against the Cruz Azul in the League's Cup. Chelsea has signed French forward Christophe. 
Nkunku from RB Leipzig to a six-year contract. Reports say the London club spent around 60 million euros for the deal. Nkunku was the Golden Boot winner of the Bundesliga last season, despite missing nine league matches due to injury. Chelsea recorded its lowest ever points total in the Premier League and missed out on qualification for Europe. Police have searched the headquarters of the Paris 2024 Olympics and its infrastructure partners as part of investigations into alleged embezzlement of public funds and favoritism. IOC Executive Director Christoph Duby says Paris 2024 is cooperating with authorities. Ross Cullen has more. The raid on Tuesday was a surprise, an unannounced search of the headquarters of the organising committee of the Paris 2024 Olympic Games. Now, French financial police led the raid, which was part of two different preliminary investigations, which were started in 2017 and 2022 into corruption and favouritism allegations. They both concern contracts that were awarded within the framework of the organisation. Of the games, a spokesperson for the games said that they were fully cooperating with law enforcement and that they were helping them with their inquiries. The offices of Solideo, the firm responsible for the construction of Olympic sites and Olympic venues in the city, well, they were also searched as part of the police raid. That was Ross Cullen on the corruption investigation on the Paris 2024 organizing committee. Turning to tennis, Chinese player Wu Yibing's Hala Open campaign ended in the first round as he fell in a three-set battle against world number、no. seven Andrei Rublev. Meantime, at the Queen's Club Championships, Carlos Alcaraz had a shaky start to his grass court season. The top seed had to come from one set down to beat world number、no. eighty-three Arthur Rinderknecht. It was Alcaraz's first match since losing to Novak Djokovic in the French Open semi-finals. Earlier at the Wimbledon warm-up tournament, Andy Murray lost 6-3, 6-1 to Alex Dimitrov. Murray was on a 10-match winning run on the back of two straight grass court challenger tour titles. Thank you very much. That was Yang Guang with sports.、Uh, this is the Beijing Hour, and coming up in culture, several new movies hitting theaters in China for the Dragon Ball Festival weekend. The Beijing Hour. Hello, I'm Peter Dinklage from X-Men: Days of Future Past. You are listening to the Beijing Hour. Hi, I'm Kathy Freeman, and you're listening to the Beijing Hour. Hi, everyone. I'm Lang Lang. Welcome to the Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour, your window to China and the world. Fifty-three pass now turning to culture and entertainment with the Dragon Ball Festival around the corner. A bunch of movies are gearing up for box office glory over a three-day holiday weekend. Nine new movies are set to hit domestic theaters on Wednesday and Thursday. One of the most anticipated titles is One More Chance, led by Hong Kong star Chow Yun-fat. Chow, known for his iconic roles in films such as、uh, the 1989 blockbuster *God of Gamblers*, says the new film focuses more on reality. What touched me the most about the movie is that I play an ordinary and desperate gambler. This is completely different from the fancy roles I played. This man abandons his wife and even risks his own life to gamble. But in the end, because of his son, he put aside his past. 
There are many similar people in real life. Other forthcoming festival movies、uh, include Lost in the Stars, Love Never Ends, and Never Say Never, which depicts、uh, a mixed martial arts trainer helping a group of rural children to pursue their sports dream. Well, China is welcoming back major international exhibitions, bringing along art from around the world. This includes the ongoing Botticelli and the Renaissance exhibition in Shanghai from the Uffizi Galleries. Wang Suwen earlier spoke with the renowned gallery's director Aika Schmidt. The Uffizi Galleries are located in Florence, Italy, the cradle of the Renaissance, and one of the most iconic centers of art in Europe. Its magnificent collection has played a pivotal role in the history of Western art. After more than four years, the director of the Uffizi Gallery is visiting China once and again. As part of an agreement with Bangwan Art Museum, they will see ten exhibitions in five years, including Botticelli and the Renaissance. Last time you visited China was in 2019, and now four years have passed. And how do you feel this time? Oh, I'm so happy to be back after an interruption which was way too long,、um, and I'm also happy to see the museum exhibitions are packed, and that's a very good、uh, sign. And of course, all the people who come to admire the Uffizi exhibitions—that's a particular、uh, element of、uh, pride and of satisfaction. But also, it's, it shows us that we need to do more and go on into this direction. The Uffizi Museum is one of the most prominent and historic art museums in the world. Cooperation with the Bangduan Art Museums, and also the plan for the ten exhibitions in five years. What will this bring, and why is it important for both countries? This is very important that we don't do just one show of the highlights and then go away. We wanted to have a stable relationship, and we were very pleased when Bangduan Museum had、uh, the same. Intention. Well, let's just do ten exhibitions.、Uh, that way, we are here, basically on a permanent basis, but always with different offers.、Uh, which means that who liked one exhibition might very well return to see another exhibition and learn more and more. Both China and Italy have thousands of years of history and civilization. Looking ahead, how might the two countries create more opportunities for dialogue and exchanges? In the Renaissance, in fact,、uh, there were already the very first. Cultural contacts、uh, via the Silk Road、uh, between、uh, Italy and China. We see this admiration、uh, for China already in the Florentine、uh, Renaissance. This is a relation that goes back centuries and centuries. And also, Italy, just like China, is a country which has thousands of years of history、um, and of tradition. In a moment where people really look actively back to the tradition. And try to、uh, to preserve it for the future, and to、uh, combine it with innovation, just like in China. That was Wang Suwen speaking with Aika Schmidt, the director of the Uffizi Galleries. An exhibition displaying manuscripts from classic animation series and movies is underway in Beijing. Super Anime showcases more than 300 hand-drawn manuscripts and sketches from 36 animation works, including Japanese anime series One Piece and、uh, cl- a Chinese classic Uproar in Heaven, and that、uh, runs through October the sixth. 
58 past the hour. Beijing's at 22 degrees overnight. Tomorrow will be sunny and 38. Chongqing's at 21 this evening, then moderate rainfall in 24. Lassa's down to 10. Tomorrow's sunny in 25. Hong Kong dips to 28 degrees. It'll see showers in 32 on Thursday. Uh, elsewhere, Tokyo's 19 overnight, then moderate rainfall in 23. Islamabad's getting clear skies in 27 this evening. Tomorrow's sunny and 43. Bangkok's at 26 overnight, then cloudy and 34 on Thursday. And that's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news today, China and Germany have agreed to promote deeper cooperation and dialogue on climate change. And the son of U.S. President Joe Biden's pleaded guilty on gun and tax charges. Now, more travelers in China are celebrating the upcoming Dragon Ball Festival and choosing homestays over hotels. On behalf of the staff, this is Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together.